most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What's up, everyone? Happy holidays and welcome to the Week 16 Fantasy Flex Props Podcast. Presented by Prize Picks, I'm your host, Chris Raybon. Joined as always by my dude, Sean Kerner. Sean, happy holidays. Happy holidays, brother. Uh, got any big plans or just keeping it chill? Just keeping it chill. I mean, there's, if you haven't heard, there's uh, football on on Christmas. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we got Packers. Browns. Browns. Yeah, we'll talk about it. And then uh, Cardinals, Colts, right? Yeah, two good games. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about the Saturday slate, the Christmas slate. Uh, on this show but yeah i'm just gonna hang around here went back to new york for thanksgiving so i'm gonna chill out in cali but uh yeah uh on this pod we will talk about the saturday slate we'll talk uh, briefly about the sunday showdown slate as well uh, and then we'll give our top five props each for the week using the prize pick line so a lot to get to let's start it off with the saturday slate it's a two-game slate sean as you mentioned uh so at quarterback you know, not really much you can do as far as uh, as value. It's there's four guys uh, that you're really considering. Uh, I'm going Aaron Rodgers in you know highest exposure. Uh, he's my quarterback three uh, on the week, and uh, you know obviously would like to have Valdez Scantling back, but Rodgers has been so consistent in a year where a lot of players and, and quarterbacks haven't. And Cleveland is 23rd in pass defense DVOA. Should be a bit healthier this week. Um, than they've been, you know, obviously last week. But uh, I still think Rodgers in Lambeau, uh, where they cover about, you know, 68%, 69% of the time, uh, it should have a good game here. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with Rodgers right now. Clearly the toe's not, you know, he might be in pain, but it's not impacting his play enough to, you know, downgrade him like I was the past couple of games. Um, but I, I, I'm going with Kyler here. I just think this is a bounce back spot. You know, the Colts is a, you know, it's a pass funnel matchup. So uh, I don't think you go wrong with either of these top two quarterbacks. But I will say, you know, the chances of a guy like Carson Wentz outscoring Kyler or Aaron Rodgers is probably higher than the market realizes. Um, Clearly, you know, Wentz is not even close to their tier. But um, I think it's still worth maybe taking a flyer on a Wentz or maybe even a Mayfield just because the the perception uh, projections versus, you know, variance and all this like. The, the chance of Carson Wentz actually breaking the slate is higher than the market realizes. So I, I might have a couple Wentz uh, Pittman stacks, but, um, but yeah, I, you can't go wrong with either Kyler or Rogers here. So you like Wentz over uh, Mayfield. Assuming yeah. He starts for Cleveland. Yeah. I have Wentz uh, just projected a couple more uh, points than Mayfield. I, I just don't think Mayfield has a high uh, floor or ceiling. So uh, <laughs> if, if I was going to go, you know, dumpster diving, on this, I'd prefer to go Wentz. They at least let him air it out uh, every game. You know, he's chucking it deep at some point. So I, I think this is a matchup where um, last week, you know, the, the Colts got to, you know, be really conservative after they took an early lead. So I think, you know, a guy like Wentz could surprise here. Yeah, I think it just comes down to the implied point total. I mean, you have Cleveland as a seven point, uh, seven and a half point underdog, whereas the Colts are, you know, just a one point underdog in a total 
that's higher uh that is uh you know played in in mm -hmm. decent uh in, in good conditions as opposed to the packers game so uh, yeah i would lean wentz uh over mayfield yep. as well among those uh bottom two uh running back so you know i don't think we have to talk about jonathan taylor let's <laughs> jam him in that yes uh, so <laughs> more so the values i mean even nick chubb is kind of uh you know right there i mean he's a top five running back for me this week i think we talked about that um on the on the main slate show but uh, as far as these value guys because these are the guys you it's a, the decision is not as clear the guy that stands out to me is chase edmonds at 4700 um you know going to, in this kind of game where the Colts have been really good defending backs right like like running the ball so i don't know if this is a James Conner game just by, you know, given the matchup and also, you know, Cardinals big bounce back spot after getting embarrassed by the lions last week, you know, I think, I think against the Colts, you know, it's, they're never going to just like have a positive game script throughout. I don't think because the Colts have been playing really well. Taylor is going to keep a minute. So I think it could be kind of a back and forth affair where um, the Cardinals uh, use their passing down back who is Edmonds. Uh, a bit more here. So that's the guy that kind of stands out to me. He's 4,700 on uh, DK. Yeah, I'm right there with you on Edmonds. He's just too cheap. And this this slate is pretty brutal at running back. Like you said, Jonathan Taylor is a must play. He's worth every single penny um, on any slate, really, but this one especially. So yeah, when I'm looking down the bottom, Chase Edmonds sticks out. Connor's dealing with a hip injury, I believe. Um, so they might, you know, ease up his workload regardless here. And, you know, this is a matchup where, you know, the Colts, or a pass funnel team. They're, they're really hard to run against. So this could be a Chase Edmonds game. Uh, so say like this, he's a no brainer. Uh, and you mentioned Nick Chubb last week. I actually lowered Nick Chubb's yards per uh, rush attempt to like 4.3, which is bonkers. Cause I always say it's, it's always a blend of he's one of the best pure runners in the league and a great offensive line, but they were missing two to three offensive linemen. Uh, looks like JC Treader uh, was just placed on the COVID list. So we'll have to see if Jedrick Wills comes back, but Right now, Chubb is just simply a volume guy. I'm not giving him much efficiency. So, um, you know, I'm not all in Nick Chubb like I usually am if his offensive line is out. Uh, but that was worth pointing out that it was the first week where I didn't have Chubb over a five uh, yards per attempt uh, average. So uh, just putting that out there. Yeah, I mean, Green Bay's 25th in run defense, DVOA. So this is a Chubb type of game, I think, regardless. I mean, every game has to volume, be. Volume for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you got to keep it close against Rodgers here. You can't let them – like, if Cleveland goes down two scores against a team like this, it's over. They don't even have a guy like, you know, Baltimore at Huntley last week. He could escape contain. You know, Mayfield can't do that. So yeah, um, it, it would be tough. Uh, all right, wide receiver. The guy we talked about earlier in the week, Christian Kirk. You know, I think we both have him as a top 20, uh, borderline top 15 wide receiver uh, this week. He's 5,400, uh, so he kind of stands out to me uh, as a guy I'm targeting uh, at, at the position. Yeah, Kirk, uh, for me as well, uh, both of these, like, 5K guys, Kirk and Pittman, um, stand out. You know, it's Devontae Adams tier by himself, and then it's Kirk Pittman, and that's a pretty big drop-off. So this is a really rough wide receiver slate. Um, but I, I like Pittman at 5K. Like I said, you know, this Colts passing attack should bounce back this week. They they took an early lead against the Pats and didn't really, you know, have to throw much. Um, but, you know, Pittman still saw a target on 33% of his routes. Um, so he's still the alpha in this offense. So a game like this where it should be much more competitive 
and it was a tough matchup against the Patriots. They we talked about heading into the game, they were going to scheme uh, potentially to slow down Pittman, and they did just that. So I think Pittman's a bounce back candidate at five K has touched on upside. Uh, so I like Pittman and Kirk on the slate. Yeah, and then some other guys I mentioned kind of dumpster diving here. Uh, Antoine Wesley, yes. uh, he's questionable, but if he suits up, I think you got to get him in some of those, you know, tournament lineups because he's a guy that's going to, he's pretty much their one for one replacement for DeAndre Hopkins. So it's not like they're increasing, you know, other guys as much, you know, Kirk obviously becomes the number one receiver, but he was already on the field most, most of the time anyway, but Wesley kind of subs in there. And even if Rondell Moore is healthy, Usually Wesley's still getting, you know, 80, 85, 90% uh, of the route. So uh, really like Wesley in this spot. And then for the Packers, it looks like Valdez Scantling's going to be out, which that then opens up, you know, the third wide receiver spot, which you always got to kind of pay attention to when Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. So I think you know, it's going to be a mix here of Juwan Winfrey and Equinemius St. Brown. Now, St. Brown did practice. Um, but Winfrey has kind of been the guy, you know, like when he's active, you know, he tends to be involved in the passing game plan. So he's mm-hmm. off the injury list, whereas St. Brown is still on it, even though he's practicing. Malik Taylor um, hasn't practiced. I think he's going to be out. And then Amari Rogers is more of like the slot receiver and just hasn't really seen a bump in playing time, even with MVS out. So St. Brown and Winfrey have been the two guys that have kind of, you know, run a route, you know, close to 50% of the time when Valdez Scantling is out. So I think those, both of those guys are worth mentioning, but I kind of lean toward Winfrey because he just seems to be more involved uh, in the past game when he is indeed active and he got signed to the active roster. Nice. Yeah. I, I love the Wesley call. Uh, I'm not seeing any updates on his injury status. I, I'm assuming he's going to play, but <clears throat> it looks like Rondell Moore should miss. Uh, mm-hmm. They just had the practice report today uh, that he didn't, he wasn't able to practice and he's dealing with an ankle injury and his playing style kind of need his ankle to be a hundred percent. So wouldn't be surprised if more sits. So Wesley uh, is no printer play at three K, especially on a site like this. But I wonder if Andy Isabella is a wild ass dart throw now. I mean, all he needs is one deep ball on a site like this. So I might have, I'm definitely going to have some Wesley shares, but I might sneak in a couple Andy Is- Isabella lineups if Rondell Moore's out. Yeah. Wesley ran around on 83% of the drop back and then Moore and Isabella combined for 51%. Um, last week, green was at 68%. Now, obviously there was some at the end, they waved the white flag. So I think it will be <laughs> yeah. a little higher. Um, but yeah, Isabel is kind of a guy he's low, you know, low, low probability of hitting, but yeah, he would be yeah. that number four receiver in a four receiver offense. Yeah. If, if we were playing on like a 10 game slate, we wouldn't even considering Isabella or Juwan Winfrey. Uh, but since it's just two games, you got to get creative. Why not have a couple of those flyers out there? Tight end. Uh, obviously, you know, Zach Ertz is, you know, the most expensive for a reason. He's questionable. Another guy that I, I'm, you know, as far as I know, he's going to go here. So we won't really talk about him there. But if you're kind of pivoting away from him, you're going to drop down in salary. And there's a bunch of uninspiring options, especially with Hooper active. Now you got, you know, Najoku, who's questionable, by the way, uh, yep. you know, Harrison Bryant, who's questionable. Both of them, as far as I know, uh, should play. Uh, you never know with these things, with COVID and whatnot, but uh, those guys should play. So that that kind of complicates things in Cleveland. 
I think an interesting dart throw again, because it, it is a small slate, is Josiah DeGuara for the Packers. Yep. Uh, because with MVS out, Randall Cobb out, you know, there is an opportunity for somebody to be, you know, outside in the running backs, uh, you know, especially Jones is going to get his, but there's an opportunity for somebody to step up at that like third pass catcher role. Lazard is the favorite, but we've seen some games where he kind of goes quiet. Um, obviously he's a decent play as well, but at tight end, I think the you know, he's run a route uh, on around 60% of the dropbacks for three straight games, double what Mercedes Lewis is doing. And he is kind of that move tight end, that true one for one replacement for uh, Robert Tunyon. So at some point, I think this is going to translate into some production, maybe a, a touchdown or something like that. He has three catches in back-to-back games, which is is kind of worth noting on a, on a two-game slate. Yeah, I love the DeGuara call as well. He's he's had two or more catches in seven straight games now, I believe. So if a guy like, you know, potentially MVS being out, he could see an extra target or two. Um, love DeGuara. And he's, he's kind of growing into that Tunyon role. So, yeah. you know, he still hasn't even reached his ceiling yet, in my opinion. So love him on this slate. I mean... If you want to pivot off him, even Moelle Cox is interesting. <laughs> he hasn't done jack shit for like two months now, um, but he did lead their tight end rotation and routes run last week at 64%. Uh, Kylan Granson was completely out of the rotation. I don't think he logged a snap last week. So Moelle Cox is one of those guys where, you know, I'm not banking on four catches and 60 yards. I'm banking on just one troll touchdown, please Moelle. And, you know, He's one of those guys where he's the perfect end zone target. I mean, he's six foot nine or something, 300 pounds. Like he's a monster. So a slate like this, I think Moelle Cox is in play, especially just this, this tight end slate. Like you said, it's Zach Ertz, then a huge drop off. So if you're going to take a flyer, I think DeGuara makes the most sense. And then Moelle Cox is probably my second choice. Yeah. Any love for uh, Jack Doyle? He seems to have a big game every like. Yeah, it'd be like two blue, blue moon. Um, I think it's <laughs> yeah, a more competitive game script like this. He could come into play. He's been banged up recently, so maybe yeah. that's why he's seen you know his snaps take a hit. So yeah, he's he's always in play. I think there are games where he's just like you know Carson Wentz go to target, especially on third down. Um, so I think Doyle's certainly in play as well. Yeah, I mean two like yeah, the last two games he had one catch each, but the game before that against Tampa six for eighty one. And then, you know, the game before that, three for 36. And, uh, you know, in the game before that, three for 31. So it's like he's been involved and he falls out, but he could be could be due. So he's another yep. one. I think both of those coach tight ends. Uh, if you're going to play Wentz, you know, uh, and pivot off yeah. one of the more expensive quarterbacks, it does make sense to try to get a, a touchdown on a two-game slate with one of those guys. All right. Uh, let's quickly talk the Sunday showdown slate, Washington at Dallas. I'll have a write-up for this betting-wise on ActionNetwork.com later in the week. Be sure to check that out. But, Sean, where are you going for the uh, captain spot in this matchup? I, it's got to be CeeDee Lamb all the way. He's yeah. just been too dominant of late. Uh, I mean, really, Dallas has so many options. You can go with a guy like Schultz or, you know, I love Michael Gallup. Amari Cooper's due. So there's a lot of options here. I think Zeke could be sneaky just because of <laughs> how bad he's been. Lately, but this is this is a game script where it could be a Zeke game where he gets you know 18 carries for 60 yards, but you know sneaks into the end zone a couple of times. So I think just Zeke is an interesting leverage play because I think his roster chip will be a little bit too low here. And then on the Washington side, I think the only guy you can really turn to is Terry McLaurin, um, just because of his big play potential. Uh, this should be a negative pass heavy kind of game script for the football team. So I think McLaurin um, certainly has the highest ceiling on their side and could be 
um, you know, a slate winner uh, in your captain slot. Yeah, I, I think I think McLaurin is actually a great fade. I, I, I disagree there. I think I think I think too many I mean, well, people it, are going to have him in a captain spot. Oh, yeah. I'm so, saying if you go with somebody on the Washington side. But. Like, I think it's got to be uh, Gibson. I mean, Dallas is a run funnel D. And if you look at their metrics against number one receivers, they're number one in DVOA. Wow, this to do with Trayvon Diggs. And then they're third in fewest schedule-adjusted receiving yards allowed per game to number one receivers at 49.6, according to Football Outsiders. So, like, I get that, like, yeah, he has the highest probably projected ceiling, maybe outside of Gibson or even higher just because he's a wide receiver. But I do think he's going to get that, like, 20, 30, 40% maybe um, in the captain spot, which, to me, there's just more leverage in a fade because there's there's a good possibility he gets, like, four for 50 with no touchdowns or something like that. Um, but yeah, love the CD lamb call. I actually think that he is like, yeah, Cooper's do Gallup, all those guys. Schultz had the big game last game, but Washington plays uh zone coverage at a top five rate yards per route run against zone coverage. According to pro football focus, CD lamb, 2.2 Dalton Schultz, 1.8 Cooper, 1.6 Gallup, 1.0. So CD lamb is, is the clear, you know, top target, most productive, most efficient, uh Dallas receiver against you know this kind of defense so I think you know Lamb he's still a a top 10 receiver in my in my rankings um you know I know he's kind of it's kind of been frustrating week to week with him and and a lot of these Dallas receivers so but I I do think it's he's he's in a really good spot and uh and Dalton Schultz would kind of be my number two pick he's he's been streaky like he has a bunch of good games and then he has a bunch of bad games so he had a good one against the the Giants last week maybe he kind of keeps it going here so uh, like him as well. And obviously, yeah, the Zeke call, it's just, I mean, what do you think of Pollard in, in the captain spot? Like, I know we'll talk about him probably a cheat code regardless, but I mean, it seems like this guy is just more efficient than Zeke every week. He just doesn't quite get the red zone looks, but um, if he breaks one, I mean, I guess he could hit in the captain spot as well. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I meant to include him and in just the <laughs> Dallas has so many options, but yeah, I mean, he's been so banged up that I, I'm just thinking if Dallas gets up by, you know, let's say, 14 or more points, who's going to get the garbage time work? I think they're going to try to protect Pollard. So, you know, a guy like Corey Clement would probably get mop-up duty. So I think Pollard, yeah, he's definitely, I think he's better than Zeke uh, on a touch-per-touch basis. But oh yeah, um, but he's just been so banged up. I think they're going to try to find a way to limit him. I don't think this football team is going to keep it close. Um, so I'm just worried that if, if they do get up, they're going to try to protect Pollard because he is that valuable to the team. I mean, last week against the Giants, they won 21-6, and the Giants never really felt like they were in the game. And and Pollard was coming back off off the injury, and he had 15 touches for 87 yards. So, yeah. I mean, if and that's I limiting he, him, then I'll take And then take he got it. banged up. And then yeah, he got yeah, banged yeah, up. They're going to have to stop doing that. <laughs> but maybe, yeah, maybe McCarthy's is going to keep playing him. Uh, and, yeah, so Pollard is definitely a sneaky and viable captain play for sure. Uh, anyone else uh, – in terms of DFS cheat codes, guys a little lower well, down. Yeah, you mentioned Antonio Gibson. I love Antonio Gibson, especially when uh, J.D. McKissick is out. He was placed on IR, so he's definitely going to miss the next three games. So that unlocks Gibson's receiving usage and his, you know, ultimate upside. However, that toe injury does scare me. Um, you know, I was watching that game. He, he, he's a tough running back. I mean, he played through that shin injury. He tried to play through this toe injury. Um, he still has yet to practice. So. What I think is going to happen is he toughs it up, suits up, and plays. But, 
you know, I am worried he's going to have an in-game setback. So I think a guy like Jared Patterson could be sneaky, even if Gibson plays. Um, you know, he's he's a rookie. They're trying to get him some work. So he's a guy that could see more time than people think, even if Gibson plays. So I think Patterson is actually a pretty sneaky play um, here. And then, uh, you know, Ricky Seals-Jones, we've been trying to figure out how they're going to handle this tight end rotation. Ricky Seals-Jones, you know, he ran around 64% of the time last week, um, outrunning John Bates by quite a bit. Um, and he's, you know, he's the logical end zone target uh, for Washington. So I think Ricky Seals Jones in this spot is sneaky. So I think he's a cheat code on the uh, Washington side. And then I haven't figured out how to sort out, you know, the Humphreys, Chris Sims, those guys, uh, you know, they're heavily rotated, but out of that group, I think Cam Sims um, probably has the highest upside, but it, it's kind of a dumpster fire in this Washington side. What are you thinking? Yeah, for, for Washington, harder. Uh, stands out to me because he's yeah. been running fewer routes than Sims, but Dallas loves to play man coverage. And Carter has three touchdowns this year versus man coverage and obviously limited snap. So he's been able to win uh, against man. And again, I think if if you're like me and you think McLaren might have some trouble here, uh, you got to get somebody else going. And Humphreys, the problem with him is he's just not getting targets down the field. He's not getting touchdowns. So I think Carter... Uh, and then, like you said, Sims, who's essentially their new number two receiver on the outside, um, or, or both, and both of those guys will kind of platoon in that role. Uh, I think those guys are the two guys that that you look at. But uh, why not just play the Dallas defense special? Team? Yes, <laughs> you know, I mean, this Washington yeah. you mentioned Gibson has a toe issue. Uh, Dallas does really well against number one receivers, so that makes it difficult on McLaurin. Uh, you know, it, this is just a, a spot where. I think Dallas's defense could could dominate. And remember, they they played really well against Washington the first time. Um, obviously, you know, it's a showdown slate, so both defenses are in play. But, you know, Washington, it's oh, double-digit dog on the road. I You know, they probably have to get another, like, fluky pick six or something like that uh, fumble to hit value. But Dallas, I mean, Dallas could, you know, give up under, you know, 20 points. They could get a bunch of sacks with Parsons. They could get picks with Diggs, especially if they go at McLaurin aggressively. So. Um, yeah, really like the Dallas defense special teams, probably more than any of these other like ancillary <laughs> pass catchers, to be honest. Yeah, I think both defenses are in play. And if you do play the Washington defense, you might as well pair them up with DeAndre Carter, who's their return man. Uh, probably my favorite return man, because if you ever you, you see him get a touchback on a kickoff, he is so pissed. <laughs> he wants to return every kickoff. Uh, so love, you know, kind of a sneaky stack of Carter and the the football defense, you know, in case he gets a return touchdown, you get it counted twice. Yeah, I'll take uh, I'll take me some Pollard with the Dallas defense. Then uh, he's got 17 kick returns and a touchdown oh. this year. So uh, at 28.8 yards per kick return for Tony Pollard. So yeah, he's uh, pretty good. Yeah, he's, he's pretty good. You got to get the ball in his hands. Uh, all right, uh, let's get to our props. Ten props of the week, five each. We each do a quarterback, two running back, and two receiving props. Sean, where are you going for your QB prop for Week 16? So give me Drew Luck over 187 half passing yards against the Raiders. Uh, I don't think Drew Luck is a good quarterback, um, but this number is way too low. And, you, you know, he's he has enough skills to go over this number. He has enough pass catchers to go over this number with Jerry Judy, Corlin Sutton, Tim Patrick, Noah Fant, Albert O. Um, and the Raiders rank 25th in DBA against the pass. So I'm projecting this closer to 215, 220, which still seems kind of low. So give me the value here. I think this is probably 20 to 30 yards too low. Uh, so give me over 187 and a half passing yards for Drew Locke. Yeah, hopefully he doesn't hand the ball to the other team. 
Uh, I think he does. He has to throw more. <laughs> right. That'll work. <laughs> uh, I'm going Joe Burrow over 245 and a half passing yards. Going back to the well, even though he disappointed me last week, uh, he's still been over this number in nine of 14 games, facing a Ravens defense that's 29th in pass defense, DVOA, and really is just struggling with uh, health concerns in the secondary. And then uh, if you look back to the first matchup with these two teams, Burrow, 416 yards against the Ravens, uh, who do like to play a lot of man coverage, which uh, the Bengals, as we've talked about, have been very strong against in their pass offense. So uh, I'm projecting this closer to 265. Uh, Sean, where are you going with your running back prop? Uh, so I'm going with Devin Singletary over 42 and a half rushing yards against the Patriots. You know, Zach Moss was inactive again last week. Matt Breida only had one rush attempt. And Devin Singletary is your new workhorse back for the Bills. Uh, you know, he ran 22 times for 86 yards and a touchdown. Um, you know, the Patriots probably aren't going to game plan to stop Devin Singletary. So I'm sure they'll let him get, you know, some chunk runs here. And with, you know, no Cole Beasley, potentially no Emmanuel Sanders, the Bills might be a little bit more run heavy than we expect here. So I think Singletary will easily clear this number with just, you know, 10 to 12 rush attempts. Um, so give me Devin Singletary over 42 and a half rushing yards. Yeah, the Patriots would would not mind if Singletary yeah. just got, you know, <laughs> 70 to 80 yards. If I wouldn't mind either. 240. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. For my first running back prop, I'm going with Josh Jacobs over 21 and a half receiving yards. Uh, he's been over in seven of 12 on the season, but more importantly, he's been over in each of the last five games. Uh, so this line, I, I think is about four yards too low. Um, he, I haven't projected at 25. The Broncos are 23rd in DVOA. Uh, on passes to running backs. And I should mention, I also like the Jacobs rushing yardage prop over 49 and a half. Uh, he's been over that in three of the last four games. Uh, Denver is also, you know, outside the top 20 in run defense uh, and Jacobs in four career games against Denver averaging 85 rushing yards. So I have it at 56, uh, but that's still, you know, almost eight yards over the line for that. So love both Jacobs overs uh, this week, Sean. Uh, where are you going for your running back? Side note, I, I think I'm going to have to take a week off betting on Josh Jacobs over <laughs> rushing yards. I got you. Uh, yeah, got you. you'll, you'll win this week. Don't worry, I was a week <laughs> ahead. Um, so I'm going with James Conner under 45 and a half rushing yards against the Colts. Um, you know, Chase Edmonds is back, uh, and he was easing last week. Uh, but he should, you know, see more work this week, and that's going to only eat into James Conner's um, rushing and receiving share. Uh, Connor himself got banged up last week of a heel injury, so he could be limited. And this is a tough matchup. You know, the Colts have a really strong run defense, so it wouldn't surprise me if the Cardinals throw a bit more here. And Cardinals gone, uh, you know, Connor's gone under this number in the past two games, and that was, you know, they faced the Lions. They had some good spots. So I think uh, just everything's going against Connor here. I'm projecting closer to, you know, 39 and a half, and I think he has a low floor. So going with under 45 and a half rushing yards for James Connor. It'll be an Edmonds game, as we talked about. Uh, for my second running back prop, I'm going with Cordero Patterson, my guy, over 47 and a half rushing yards. Uh, I'm buying the dip here before that miserable 18-yard game on 11 carries, where he also got a touchdown overturned uh, against the 49ers, who, by the way, are a top three run defense. Uh, so that was kind of predictable. Uh, Patterson had gone over 47 and a half in three straight games. He's facing a Lions defense that's fourth worst in DVOA against the run 14 different running backs or one per game has 
uh, top this number against the Detroit Lions. So uh, this is another one where I have it almost 10 yards higher uh, at 56. So going Patterson over uh, 47 and a half against the Lions. All right, Sean, where are you going with your first receiving prop? So I'm getting pretty bold here. I'm going with Cortland Sutton over 20 and a half receiving yards against the Raiders. Talk about... Who's Talk about buying the dip, right? Yeah, you forgot. I, I, don't, I haven't heard of this guy. Is he on the Broncos or something? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he's been absolutely brutal lately. There's no denying it. He's failed to clear this ridiculously low prop in four straight games. But I think it is time to buy the dip on him. And I know he's on the injury report, so if this is assuming he suits up. But I think he he gets an upgrade with Drew Locke under center. I mean, I watched some of the film last week. There were plays where Jerry Judy was wide open and Drew Locke still targeted Cortland Sutton. So I, I, I've always thought that Locke under center helps Cortland Sutton. Um, so I think we could see Sutton bounce back and he cleared this number in eight of the first 10 games before their week 11 buy. So I, I realize how bad he's been of late, but it's called buying the debt for a reason. I think we're getting this way too low. And I think he, he, you know, has a coming out party here and gets us, you know, 25 receiving yards to barely clear this. In stacking Drew Locke and Cortland Sutton overs. What yeah, can go wrong? <laughs> what can go wrong? <laughs> uh, all right. For my first, Receiving prop, I'm going with old reliable Stephon Diggs under 66 and a half against the Patriots uh, on his receiving yards. He's been under this number in three of the last five games, including a matchup with the Patriots where he netted only 51 yards in a game script where they were trailing for a good part of that game. Uh, and you just look at New England and the metrics against number one receivers. I mean, they bear out exactly what we think of when we think of Belichick. They're allowing the fewest schedule adjusted yards per game to number one receivers at 46.7, according to football outsiders. And they are number two in DVOA against number one wide receivers. So um, I think this number is about seven yards too high. I have it, you know, just under 60 uh, for Stefan Diggs here in this matchup. So going to Diggs under 66 and a half receiving yards. Uh, Sean, where are you going with your second receiving prop? Uh, I'm going with Jacoby Myers over 43 and a half receiving yards against the Bills. Um, I'm, I'm actually right in line with this number right now, and it is a tough matchup. But the reason I want to lock it in right now is because you have Nelson Aguilar on the concussion protocol, Kendrick Bourne's on the COVID list, and Nikhil Harry uh, is even you know battling a hip injury. So if one or more of those guys are ruled out, this number is only going to go up. So that's why I want to get in early, take it at 43 and a half. And he's He's had a really high floor this season. He's gone over this in nine of 13 games. So a lot of reasons to, to kind of get on this early uh, in case one or more of these wide receivers are ruled out. If all the receivers are ruled out, do we see Matthew Slater get a snap at, at a receiver? Oh, God, I would love that. <laughs> it's been like the yeah. first, it would be like the first time in like 10 years. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, for my second receiving prop, uh, I'm going with my tight end one of the week. Mark Andrews over 58 and a half receiving yards here uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals. He's been over this number in nine of 14 games. Even if Tyler Huntley starts, I don't think that's a problem at all because Huntley's just been force feeding Mark Andrews the football and the Green Bay Packers couldn't stop it. Uh, you know, the, the, the Browns couldn't stop it. No one can stop it. But Cincinnati, they're dealing with some issues beyond just, you know, having a good, an elite tight end, you know, come into the, the town here they're 26th in dvoa against the position logan wilson akeem davis gaither the linebackers are out so i think it's going to be really tough to cover him over the middle of the field cincinnati likes to play zone coverage so it's not like they could just you know get a safety on him on every play uh, or anything like that so uh, i think it's going to be tough here i'm projecting him 
for 66 yards as a median. So um, about eight yards higher uh, than this number. So like Mark Andrews, over 58 and a half receiving yards against the Bengals. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for our top 10 props. Uh, to recap, Sean is going with Drew Locke over 187 and a half passing yards. Devin Singletary over 42 and a half rushing yards. James Conner under 45 and a half rushing yards. Cortland Sutton over 20 and a half receiving yards. And Jacoby Myers over 43 and a half receiving yards. I'm going Joe Burrow over 245 and a half passing yards. Josh Jacobs over 21 and a half receiving yards. Also like the Jacobs over 49 and a half rushing yards prop. Uh, Cordero Patterson over 47 and a half rushing yards. Stephon Diggs under 66 and a half receiving yards and Mark Andrews over 58 and a half receiving yards. Next up here on the Fantasy Flex is a segment we call Elite Entries, where Sean and I dive into the Prize Picks app and compare our player projections to the props to build some entries. Sean, what's your first Prize Picks Elite Entry uh, for late here in Week 16? So my my first pick is Drew Luck over 187 and a half passing yards against the Raiders. Now I'm not betting on the over because I think he's a good quarterback. I'm betting on the over because I'm projecting him closer to 220 passing yards in this game. And he's one of those volatile quarterbacks where even if he does turn the ball over, it only leads to him throwing the ball more. So he's sort of Jameis Winston-esque in that regard, which helps his passing yard prop. Um, and he has a ton of weapons on this offense. You know, Jerry Judy, Corlin Sutton, Tim Patrick, both tight ends. So um, I, I think he takes advantage of that here. And the Raiders rank 25th in DVOA against the pass. So all signs point to Drew Locke going over 187 and a half passing yards. For my first prize pick elite entry for week 16, I'm going with Josh Jacobs over 21 and a half receiving yards. He's been over this number in seven of 12 on the season. Uh, but more importantly, each of his last five games has he gone over uh, this figure. Denver's 23rd in DVOA on passes to running back. Jacobs is running around on about 60% of the Raiders dropback these days, which is about 20% higher uh, than he was earlier in the season. And remember, there's no Kenyon Drake, and Javon Richard just hasn't taken as much of a role in that backfield uh, as Drake had previously. So Jacobs over 21 and a half receiving yards. For me, uh, Sean, where are you going with your second prize pick elite entry for week 16? I am going with Devin Singletary over 42 and a half rushing yards against the Patriots. You know, Zach Moss was another healthy scratch again last week. Matt Breida only had one carry. So Devin Singletary had 22 rushing attempts uh, for 86 yards. And, you know, the Bills aren't a run heavy team, but without Cole Beasley, potentially without Emmanuel Sanders, I think they do lean on the run a little bit more here. And I can't imagine Bill Belichick going out of his way to slow down Devin Singletary and the Bills rushing attack. So I think he should have plenty of room to run here. And he'll only need, you know, 10 to 12 carries to go over this. I'm projecting him closer to 14 carries for 54 yards. So I think there's about 10 yards of value on the over here. So give me over 42 and a half rushing yards for Devin Singletary. Uh, I'm taking Mark Andrews here over 58 and a half receiving yards. He's been over in nine of 14, uh, five of the last six. And Cincinnati's 26 in DVOA against tight ends. So uh, I just do not think that they're going to be able to stop Mark Andrews here, which has become a critical piece of this Ravens offense. I have this at 66 yards. So um, Andrews is always, you know, right there with Marquise Brown. Uh, but he's really taken over at that that true number one Travis Kelsey-like um, week-in, week-out player for the Ravens here. So love 
Mark Andrews over 58 and a half. That's going to do it for our prize pick read entry for today. To recap, Sean is going with Drew Locke over 187 and a half passing yards and Devin Singletary over 42 and a half rushing yards. I'm going with Josh Jacobs over 21 and a half receiving yards and Mark Andrews over 58 and a half receiving yards. As a reminder, prize picks markets move. So you want to get on it quickly in order to lock in the best numbers. If you have not created a prize pick account yet, check out the link in our episode description and they'll match your first deposit up to $100. Or you can visit prizepick.com and use the promo code ACTION10. That's A-C-T-I-O-N-1-0. All right, now back to the show. Uh, That is going to wrap it up for our week 16 fantasy flex props episode presented by prize picks. Make sure you guys are safe out there. Have a happy, happy holidays. Uh, as always, you can find Sean on Twitter at the underscore oddsmaker. And you can find me at Chris Raybon and find us at those same handles in the action network app. Uh, you can check out actionnetwork.com for our fantasy football content, rankings, projections, fantasywebs.com for our DFS uh, content tools and models. And if you have a moment, uh, be sure to leave us a five-star review on Spotify, which just got the ability uh, to leave reviews. Uh, It would really help us out. Uh, Again, thank you guys for listening all season long. Uh, We really appreciate it and have a happy holiday. Uh, And we'll be back uh, next week with more Fantasy Flex. Let's get some money.